Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. My name is Travis Jones. I'm here with Jason Barrett, and this is episode two, where we talk all things fat loss and how to achieve it and how to get that body transformation that you are after. Hey, Jace, how are we doing today, buddy? Doing really good, doing really good. Excited to be sharing some of the, the hacks and the tips for everyone to get the transformation that they're looking for, because there's a lot of BS information out there, and there's a lot of unnecessary convolution, I'd say. Mate, I completely agree. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why people don't achieve their results because of all the myths that surround it or the methods that surround it, which are overcomplicating over things for people and also misguiding them. And I think if we have this um, constant search for this new evolved way of losing fat, when really there's some simple principles that if we just nail consistently, we achieve the results we're after. And I think in anything in life, the boring stuff works. Um, but the boring stuff doesn't sell new books. And that is the actual problem. Um, today, we're going to talk about, you know, what type of diets work the best, how we get our training in, what are macros, how to get them right, alcohol and fat loss. Uh, we're going to talk about meal timing. We're going to talk about sleep, maybe a little bit of stress and also, you know, common myths and, and where people fail. So I think that is a big podcast for us and hopefully you walk away today with some education and some simplification on how to achieve that body that you are after and yeah, to I kick it off week, yeah go yeah I was go, say, last last week we talked about um you know taking into account where your what your situation is your context and what you're trying to mm. achieve so that's really the lens you've got to look through this next podcast the next episode and all the rest of the podcast with is what is my goal and what is my situation because not everything we're going to say is going to be relevant for every single person but we're dads we're going to focus on what are the constraints of fatherhood of having little ones and what are the common things that people in that situation struggle with and as a result what do we need to do in order to get the results so always have in the back of your mind what do i need to be doing what are the things that are relevant for me and just take those on board and especially with the rest of the industry just fucking ignore them because if someone mm. if some you know 23 year old personal trainer is telling you you've got to spend two hours in the gym every other day and you've got to do you know an hour and a half of cardio on the days you're not in the gym you know don't just don't buy it. Don't buy it. Yeah. I completely just agree, mate. And I think, yeah, just do you. And I think everything we do share today, um, you can take snippets of it and apply to your life, given your constraints. Cause every single one of us has different constraints as dads. Some are shift workers. Some have seven kids. I do not have seven kids. I, Actually, you probably don't want seven kids. Um, I'm in my side of my life at the moment. Um, I'm quite happy with my two boys and, and my hey, life. You got a basketball but, team. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think when we're looking at a team, um, any type of fat loss, okay, um, this is the first thing I want you to understand, is if you consume more calories, okay, if you consume more food than you burn, you will gain weight. If you consume fewer calories and less food, then you burn on a daily basis, the calories you burn, you will lose weight. And that is the overarching principle. And some people will say, oh, calories don't matter. And some people will say calories do matter. Oh, I'm going to give it to a nutshell. Calories matter most. Okay. It's as simple as that. If you eat fewer calories, you will start to lose weight. And, you know, they've done countless experiments on this. So Mark Hobb, um, he was at the, a professor at the Kansas State University. He literally ate for 10 weeks Doritos, Oreos, Twinkies, and a couple of protein shakes while maintaining an average calorie deficit of 800 calorie deficit a day. And in two months, he lost 27 pounds or approximately about 12 kilos. So, he wasn't eating, even eating great food quality, 
okay? But his food quantity was in a calorie deficit, which allowed him to lose that 12 kilos in two months. So, you know, do calories matter most? Yes, they do. Um, but should we eat, we eating like Twinkies and Maccas and um, Doritos to achieve that? Well, it's probably not going to be the healthiest version or the most sustainable version. And I think that's the biggest thing, that we need to understand calories. And I think that if there's one thing, if there's one thing, and we're going to be doing a couple of things for the rest of your life, but there's one thing that we do as humans until we die is eat. So we need to make sure that we have a little bit of an understanding around nutrition. We have to increase our nutrition IQ. You know, what is a chicken breast and, you know, how much protein is in that and how much should I be eating? Because the higher our nutrition IQ and the more we understand about nutrition, the easier it is for us to achieve the ideal body composition and also hold it for the rest of our lives. So I think that every single one of us, um, if we're looking to perform optimally as a human and have high energy and feel fantastic and have good body composition, that's understanding nutrition is something that most people should delve into and have at least a, a good amount of knowledge so they can, you know, factor in how they can live their life efficiently. Yeah, I agree. Because the schools aren't, yeah, they'll take for two weeks and they'll go through a little food pyramid and, you know, maybe you'll do a little bit of a diagram or whatever, right? But a lot of the guidelines that you're going to get are from the government and the government aren't going to be telling you, hey, what's optimal for body composition and energy. They tell you what is the minimum so that you don't die. Like what is the basics that you absolutely need when it comes to vitamins, when it comes to intakes of various um, sources, because the the body composition and the bodybuilding industry specifically, um, and they're more experts when it comes to changing body composition, losing fat, gaining muscle in the most effective ways. Their research is usually far ahead of any of the general research that the government will take on board when it comes to recommendations because they obviously want to be super duper safe and make sure they don't say anything that could possibly cause any issues to anyone because you know then the government will get you know thrown into shit and everyone will blame them for it so they just they really try and keep it safe they're not designed for you to thrive they're designed for you to survive so if you don't take responsibility for your own nutrition knowledge and you don't take responsibility for saying hey you know what i know i don't understand this stuff sometimes it can be a little bit of a blow to the ego being like well look i've eaten three square meals a day for the last 30, 40 years of my life, and I haven't bothered to look into understanding nutrition. Maybe I feel like a bit of a dunce. There's all these people that know all this stuff more than me, but it's like the best time to start is now. Well, the best time to start was 20 years ago. The second best time to start is right now. So even if you've got no knowledge, no prior information at all, this podcast will obviously be a great first step. But then beyond that, look into and start to understand, well, what is in the food that I'm eating? What is in um, nutrition? What does nutrition actually mean? What are good foods? What are bad foods? Is that even a thing? Um, and then you'll have a tool in your tool belt that you can use forever, right? For the rest of your life to continue to maintain your results, which is the biggest thing that people fail at. Heaps of people lose fat. Not very many people keep it off. I think that's the biggest problem. I think when we look at this, um, it's understanding, okay, how many calories do we burn on a daily basis and how many calories do we consume? We're not going to go too much into the science today as far as the exact equation to do it. We can if we want to, but we, I don't want to try and bore anyone. I want to make sure that you stay engaged and involved in this. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, we all burn a certain amount of calories on a daily basis and that's called our, um, our total daily energy expenditure. And breaking up inside our total daily energy expenditure, we have our um, basal metabolic rate. So there is the amount of calories we burn on a daily basis, basically at rest just to survive. And that's about 65% of our total calories. You know, above that, we have our thermic effect of food. 
So we burn, we increase our, um, the daily calorie burn through digestion. So protein has a higher thermic effect to food than carbohydrates or fats, which is why we tend to lean to higher protein-based diets when we're in a fat loss phase. That's about 10% of our t- calorie burn on a daily basis. On top of that, we have our neat ex- uh, activity, which is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Um, going against the grain a little bit, I throw the steps into that so we can have a little bit of planned activity, increase our needs. That can be 5 to 15% of our total calorie burn. So if we're not moving at all and we're sitting down, we're not fidgeting, then it's going to be more on the, the 5%. And if we've got more of an active job and we're a fidgeter and we get moving more often, well, it's going to be upwards of that 15%. On top of that, we have our exercise activity thermogenesis, which is about 6%. So if you think you can out-train a bad diet, well, 6% of your daily calorie burn is is from exercise. So we really can't do that. And you know, people are like looking at their watches, ah, oh, burn these calories, I can eat more food. That is not how it works. I do not want you to start eating more food because my fitness power told you you can eat more food now. I want you to set your calories. I want you to eat those calories. If you moved a little bit more, happy days, you're going to lose fat faster. So if we look at that sort of total daily energy expenditure, we have our metabolic rate, we have our thermic effect of food, we have our need activity, we have our exercise activity thermogenesis, and that sort of all pulls in together to be how many calories you're burning on a daily basis. Now, you can look at, and then based on your activity levels, it's like 1.2, 1.3, or 1.4, depends on how active you are throughout the day. Now, as a base level, you can go to tdee.net and you can work out your calories, or you can just go, you know what, body weight in pounds times you know, 10 to 11, and that's going to put you on a pretty aggressive calorie deficit, um, and you're going to start losing weight. Now, it's all just a, a bit of a... a, a not a guess, but when we're looking at the start, those first calories, we don't know where your metabolic rate is actually sitting. We don't know your prior exercise activity. We don't know how much lean muscle mass you are having. So your metabolic rate can be up or down. What we have to look at is over the first seven to 14 days, how much weight you're losing on that calorie deficit over those assigned calories. And then we can modify from there because we want to make sure that we are in a calorie deficit and to lose a kilo of fat requires a deficit of about 7,700 calories. So if we look at your total energy expenditure and we're pushing out at say 2,700 calories a day, and that's what you're burning. Okay. Then we're looking at consuming 18, 17 to 1,800 calories on a daily basis. Then you're going to be losing around a kilo of fat a week. Okay, a kilo of weight a week, sorry, not fat. And then if we do that consistently, we'll keep losing a kilo a week, and that's essentially how we do it. But one, we want to know how much we're burning. Two, we want to know how much we're eating or consuming because what we measure matters and what we can measure, we can actually manage as well. I think that is one of the biggest things that like, if we don't want to look at it just like a bank account, because you know we, we can manage our finances if we look at our bank account, it's just a number. If we look at our weight or calories we're consuming, we can then manage that and we can look at that as far as how it affects the scale and our weight going down the right direction as well. 100%. If you don't have the awareness of how much you're burning, but then also how much you're intaking, and a lot of people will do a little bit more movement, but if you're not actively tracking it, unconsciously, you're actively going to move more. There's research that shows that you will increase your level of fidgeting, your level of activity, the more, the more, um, the more you eat. 
right? So if you eat more, you'll tend to move more. If you eat less, you'll tend to move less. And if you don't have a tracking imbalance of those, so if you if you move a little bit more, you might naturally start to eat a little bit more because you're burning all this extra energy. And as a result, you're like, well, I'm going on this gym program and doing all these steps, but I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah, because you're not tracking your food and you're not tracking your weight. So you don't have any idea of whether or not you're in the right place. You can only make uh, adjustments week by week with information. And the, you, the more information that you have, the better the adjustments are that you can make and the more knowledge that you have around why those numbers may be looking the way that they are, that allows you to make really empowered choices with facts and with data rather than emotionally, oh, my genes didn't feel too good today or, um, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I only ate around this much approximately. And it's like, yeah, you didn't count the, the half pack of Oreos that you snacked on throughout the day uh, that undid all your hard work, right? So it's not about beating yourself up for eating food, but it's just about you've got to have awareness, right? You've got to bring awareness to where you're at right now and the actions that you're taking and that's where you want to make adjustments from. Don't just start completely brand new on something else because you won't be able to adapt that to your lifestyle. You need to start making little adjustments in with your lifestyle as to what your context and your goals will fit. So if you currently eat out seven times a week, right? Rather than say, I'm going to meal prep every single meal and I'm never going to eat out again. It's like, well, maybe we just change where you're eating out and we bring it down to three or four times a week. And then we start, you know, we make those little adjustments and then we can start to understand, first of all, hey, how many calories is in a Big Mac and a large fries? Like, fuck, maybe that's not worth it. You could have a feast for that calories, right? So it's all about making those trade-offs and understanding food and understanding where you're at and your results is the first step to understanding how to make those those smart trade-offs that will keep you going for a longer time. Mate, I completely agree. And I think if you can understand the analogy of uh, losing weight or, you know, essentially tracking your calories and, and looking at the result from that is just similar to, you know, saving for a house or saving for a holiday. So if, you know, in six months time or 12 months time, you want to go on a holiday, you want to save, um, you know, $5,000, we have to save, you know, $100 a week. Okay. And we have a certain income. And we have a certain amount of expenses. We need to save $100 a week. And that means every single week, we're going to save that 100 bucks. And at the end of the year, we save the $5,000. You know, we can break that down into a daily expenditure. So how much can I spend each week based on an income to save that $100? And, you know, if I'm saving, you know, what that worked out to be about $15 a day, um, every single day. And it's like, okay, well, if I don't save $15 on Monday and I spent, you know, and I only save $10, well, I can save a little bit more on Tuesday. I can still stay within my weekly calorie or weekly budget as far as savings for my money and I still get to my holiday. It's the same thing when we look at our calories. If we're burning a certain amount of calories and we're spending less, okay, so we're creating that calorie deficit. And then every single week we lose that kilo and we keep going. And it's the same thing. Just spend the amount of calories that is in the deficit, which will achieve the result. And then when we look at it, some people are like, oh, but that seems hard. I have to, you know, manage and measure and track things. And we'll talk about a couple of hacks to do that. Or, oh, you know, I tried this keto thing. Isn't keto the way we don't have to manage anything or measure anything? Or what about carnivore? I can just eat steaks. It's like, there are so many methods. If you Google diets out there, you know, there'll be probably a million responses, but there is keto, there's carnivore, there's paleo, there's vegan, there's low carb, there's if it fits your macros. There's all these methods to achieve the result that is the principle, which is a calorie deficit. 
because all these methods are doing keto will cut out carbs or low carb will cut out carbs you know paleo cuts out all refined food we were looking at you know vegan or, or vegetarian we're cutting out um, animal sources of protein we're looking at carnivore again we're cutting out carbs we're, we're cutting out whole macronutrient groups and if we cut our macronutrient group what that will do is that will automatically decrease the amount of calories we're eating on a daily basis which shifts you into a calorie deficit and i think what we need to do is we need to choose a method that we can stick to the longest. You know, there's the, the man shake diet, you know, can you stick to the man shake for the rest of your life? If not, you're putting a bandaid over the issue. And then when you take that bandaid off, all of a sudden you start to gain weight. So instead we need to go, okay, I need to get my education around calories. I need to get my education around food. I need to increase this nutrition IQ. So then once I lose weight, I can move into more of an intuitive eating process. Um, not at the start, but once we understand, because I can eyeball food, I can understand calories, I can look at my weight and I understand if I've gone up a little bit, I know exactly what to do to, to bring it back down. And we tend to look a bit more of a, a flexible dieting approach when we look at the method we use to achieve the principle of the calorie deficit. So, you know, 80% of our foods should be whole foods. They should be nourishing. They should, you know, make sure we're hitting our protein. And we'll talk about that as well. And then 20% can allow for flexibility have the cookies or have the ice cream or have the beer and you're still having the flexibility because if you can have the pizza once a week or if you can have the burger or if you can have some beers and you can still be inside your calorie deficit or you're going to be able to stay on the diet for longer and it's not really a diet anymore it's a way of life and it's a way of eating and then sometimes if you wanted to lose more fat well you're going to be eating slightly less calories and sometimes you want to maintain your weight you'll be eating slightly more calories but the method you do this the method you maintain weight or lose weight or gain weight is all the same as just making sure we're hitting our calories and we're making sure it's a flexible diet where we enjoy the process and we actually never want to get off the process as well yeah to put this into a bit of a realistic context i recently it was just before new year's ended up uh, injuring my back a little bit um being a little bit silly now i'm doing some some rehab for it but for about four weeks i wasn't able to go to the gym um, for probably three of those four weeks, I was hitting, I'd say less than 2000 steps a day in terms of my daily activity. I would be pivoting between like being able to stand up, go for like five minutes of a walk and then lying down on the couch, um, because I couldn't like sitting for too long would just make it aggravated. So my activity level went so far down and the way that I wasn't able to, I wasn't blowing out. I've maintained my, pretty much my weight the entire way through. I'm, I'm, pretty much at the exact same weight as I was just before that injury, even though I haven't been going to the gym. How? Just because I understood the principles and I've been doing this for so long now, I understand the principle of, all right, well, I'm not going to eat more food or I'm going to make sure I'm just aware of my food intake because I'm not really moving much. So if I just maintain the amount of food that I'm on, if I was in a deficit before, I'll probably just be at maintenance now, which is probably what I want to aim for. So based on that, the fact that I had the nutrition knowledge, I was able to maintain weight when something, a lot of people, when they get injured or they're not able to go to the gym or they're not able to go all in, what they'll do is they'll throw the baby out with the bathwater and they'll stop doing anything at all. But if you have the ability to educate yourself, and, and as we said before, you take the responsibility upon yourself to educate yourself and to take this step, then you can make those adjustments and you can, again, maintain your results for a much longer period of time than people who just blindly follow a plan like a keto or a carnivore or a vegan, just because it cuts out all these things, but then you don't know how to live your life. You don't know how to make adjustments when shit hits the fan. And, you know, quite literally as dads, shit will hit the fan sometimes. Um, it will hit everything, right? And you'll be scrubbing all over the place. That's uh, that's that's another story for another day. But the the principle is to 
understand and to learn and to educate yourself on nutrition so that you can make the best decisions possible rather than putting your life and your health in someone else's hands to say, hey, write me a plan, tell me what to do and I'll just do that and then I won't have to think about it myself because then that's just being lazy. Mate, I completely agree. And I think when people ask us, hey, can I just, how much are you eating? What are you eating? Like everyone's nutrition is going to be different. You know, what I eat, what you eat, um, what someone else eats, we're, we're different people. We have different activity levels and we have different amounts of muscle mass. So we need to understand how many calories you as the listener should be eating. And like I said, like a very, very simple um, formula could be body weight in pounds times 11. So if you're 100 kilos, uh, that means you're 220 pounds, which means you'd be eating somewhere about 2,300, 2,400 calories, somewhere around that. And you could literally start tracking that each day for the next seven days and then go, okay, what's my weight on a daily basis? And am I decreasing my weight? Am I losing approximately a kilo a week? And if yes, okay, stay at that. If not, you can take a small adjustment. So take an extra 100 calories or 200 calories off the top and then track again for the next seven days. Am I in that calorie deficit? Yes. Well, fantastic. Let's maintain that until we have a bit of a plateau. So I don't want you to get too overwhelmed, okay, as far as how many calories I should be eating. But, you know, pick a number. It can be the naive process, which is I just explained then. But the biggest thing is, you know, we, we need to get into action, fast rather than going, I need to get the perfect diet. I need to read 17 books. Well, no, you just need to start tracking your food. I think that's the biggest thing. We need to start tracking our food. We need to start eating better uh, because when we're looking at it, guys, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect. You're never going to have the right diet. But if you get into action, then we can already start making iterations within seven days, within 14 days to have you on the correct deficit to be losing. I like to see my guys losing at least 1% of total body weight per week. So if you're 100 kilos, you're losing about a kilo a week. And that means over that sort of 16 weeks, we're losing about 15 to 16 kilos. And that would be a sweet spot for us because I like more of an aggressive approach because people like fast-ish results because that keeps motivation high. And, and motivation high means we actually stick to the plan. So calories matter most. Start tracking our food. And we need to be going, if it is 2,000 calories, most people will be thinking right now, what does that mean? I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, what does 2000 calories mean? You're talking in numbers. I talk in food groups. Um, so, you know, what, what does 2000 calories mean? Do you want to have it go through a, a basic 2000 calorie diet on a daily basis? Or would you like me to go through it, Jace? Um, oh, I mean, I've been eating below 2000 for so long. I don't know if I could even, uh, if I could even chuck it up. I'll let you go for it and I'll, uh, I'll chime in. Yeah, awesome. I mean, oh, shit, awesome. That's so, more food than I get. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, th I think if we look at it, you know, if you are someone who has, you know, four standard meals throughout the day, um, you could be having, you know, three eggs for breakfast with a slice of toast with half a, ta half a tablespoon of butter. That's going to be approximately about 350 calories. So all of a sudden, we're going to get 20 grams of protein with the eggs. We're going to get a little bit of fats, a little bit of carbohydrates. We've got about three, 350 calories there. At lunchtime, we're on the road. So we're out doing work. You could have a Helga's wrap. You could chuck 120 grams of chicken in there. You could chuck some lettuce, some tomato, slice of light, tasty cheese. Maybe put some low-fat mayonnaise. The, that is very low in calories, guys. Don't go the high-fat mayo. Go for the low-fat praise, 99% fat-free mayo. That's going to be about 500 calories there. So all of a sudden, between breakfast and lunch, we're seeing somewhere between 800 to 850 calories, the 120 grams of chicken. We're going to get another above 30 grams of protein in that. Afternoon rolls around. We want to have something because we don't want to go, go into dinner feeling absolutely starving. So we overeat. You could grab a shake, 
So you get a, a hundred grams of frozen berries. You could get some almond milk. You get a scoop of whey protein. And again, that'll be about 250 grams to 300, 250 calories to 300 calories and about 30 grams of protein. So now we're up around 1150-ish uh, mark or 1100 calorie mark. And then at dinner time, if we're looking at just keeping it simple, you can have you know, a cup of rice, 125 grams of rice. You could have a 200 gram um, eye fillet steak or 250 gram eye fillet steak. If you want to go on the steak eye fillet route, depends on where your finances are right now. You can go into the lean mince route as well and chuck a bit of seasoning in there. And it'll be very similar, just the fat content will be a little bit higher. And we can have at least 200 to 300 grams of veg. Okay, so we do want to have make sure we have veg because that increases our fiber. And that dinner is going to be about 700 calories. Okay, so we're sitting about 1800 calories now. Dinner would have another 50 grams of protein. So we're making sure we're having a minimum 30 grams of protein in each of the meals. And we're sitting about 1800 calories now. After dinner, you could have a small tub of Chobani Fit yogurt um, or a Yopro yogurt. You could chuck a little bit more frozen berries in that if you like. Um, and that's going to give you that little bit of a sweet taste after dinner. That'd be about 150 calories. And we came in under the 2000 calorie mark and you would have eaten a fair bit of volume for the day. You would have been full. You would have felt great. And we would have hit our protein requirements. We would have hit our calorie requirements. We're inside the calorie deficit. We're, you know, sticking to food. And that's what a 2000 calorie day would look like. Now, again, if you like, oh, but like what happens? That sounds like you have to cook a lot. So you don't have to. If you're going out for dinner, you can go past grilled, get a mustard and pickled burger and a Coke Zero. Mustard and pickled burger is like 585 calories. You go past Nando's, get a Supremo wrap, get extra tenderloins. That's going to be about 550 calories. There is places you can eat out quite easily and still sit inside your calories. Okay. You just have to increase that education a little bit and you're going to be fine. And I think for us, that is, that is the key that we want to impart with our clients to help them understand that you can still enjoy the foods you love and still lose weight. If you didn't want to have the yogurt after dinner and you still had that sort of 200 calories up your sleeve, have a beer. The average beer is 120 to 150 calories. Have a beer with dinner and then, or have a glass of wine with dinner. It's 120 calories and you're still inside your calorie deficit. You still hit your protein requirements and you still enjoyed your day. I think that's what, what the numbers equal out into food. I think the biggest issue people have is they cut out so much. They feel like they don't have any choice. So that's one way of relating. Yeah, there are, there's obviously numbers related to food. And if you, if you either use Google, right, let's say you're having something to eat, how many calories is in this? Or what's the macronutrients, which is breaking down the proteins, carbs, and fats in a food, which is what we want to look at just to make sure we get enough protein in so that we can maintain muscle mass. We're burning more energy while we're eating all of that good stuff we talked about before. So if you are Googling the, the food or if you're just looking on the back of the packet of it, most of it will have the amount of calories per serve, the amount of protein that's in there compared to everything else. And just start reading the back of the labels. Just start checking them out before you... I remember grabbing a muffin one time from a server. This is like a while ago. And I saw the back of it and there was like 50 grams of carbs. In it. it was like 400 calories and it was bugger all protein in it. It was so dense with other foods and it was this tiny little muffin. I'm like, there's absolutely no way there should be that much calories in that little food. And I knew if I ate that food compared to a cup of rice and a bunch of other stuff that I could, that I could, you know, stir in some lean beef mints and all that kind of stuff for the similar amount of calories, for a similar amount of calories, I would end up with 
a far fuller stomach and I would be a lot happier from a food intake perspective than I would if I had just ate, eaten that little muffin. So when you're making these choices and when you're choosing certain foods, a lot of people are like, oh, there's not very many calories to go on. Well, it's not if you're eating Big Macs and large chips and all these things that are very calorie dense or you're drinking your calories away with beer. But if you understand the amount of calories that is in each of these foods, if you understand how they operate and how they work, then you can say, all right, well, I've got this many calories stuff. Yeah, I would enjoy a beer. Or you're like, you know what? I'm a little bit hungry. So I'm going to let go of the beer for tonight and I'm going to grab something that might fill me up a little bit more. Uh, and that's how you end up being a little bit more consistent with your goals because you can, you're able to make the choice based on the information you've got. So the reason why people will tend to go for more whole foods is they tend to be more filling. There's more vitamins and minerals and fiber in them, which slows down digestion, all of that good stuff that helps to stay on track. But at the end of the day, it's all about understanding the calorie density of those foods. If you choose low calorie density foods, you can have more of them, you'll feel more full, right? If you eat an entire head of lettuce, there's there's fuck all in that, right? There's nothing in that as opposed to eating, um, as I was saying before, like a packet of chips, right? That's going to have a ton more calories. You're going to feel way hungrier after the chips than you will after the lettuce, right? Now, I don't recommend that everyone goes on the only eat lettuce diet, but that is an example of a very low calorie density food uh, and that we want to focus on including in our diet to bulk out our meals, to give us more fiber, to basically help us stay on track a little bit easier and choose those choices as opposed to feeling forced. Oh, I can't have beers. Like, well, no, you can, but that might mean you have a bit less rice or it might mean you have um, just the chicken and the salad as opposed to having it in a wrap, right? Then you can make those little trade-offs and then that is where you step into your power, right? You step into your power and your ownership of I'm in control of my body, I'm in control of my health and my fitness and that is a very empowering place to be at. Most people are at effect. They're like, oh, the world's happening to me. Um, I don't understand any of this stuff. It's all too hard. It's like, well, it's always going to be too hard unless you start looking, unless you start tracking, unless you start understanding, it's always going to be too hard. I think that's the biggest thing, mate. Like a lot, of, a lot of people come to us when we help them understand nutrition and start coaching them through this and you'll get the percentage of people that's like, this is too hard for me. And it's like, you know, they're in a victim mindset, right? They're complaining, they're blaming, they're making excuses. We need to get them to take responsibility and to take accountability. And if it's too hard right now, it's always going to be too hard. So what we need to do is we need to simplify and some people are just like, hey, let's just start tracking breakfast and we'll start there. And we start winning and okay, we'll start tracking breakfast and lunches. And then we start tracking breakfast, lunches, and dinners. And I think the biggest thing is it's only too hard if you're constantly trying to, you know, have elaborate meals all over the place all the time. When if we look at it, like most people eat like about 23 foods a week. And whether you're eating the 23 wrong foods, which is like over calorie consumption based on your goals, um, or the 23 foods that you enjoy to eat that are inside your calorie goals. Now, I think that's what we need to look at. So you know, you know, I want, I always tell my guys, and I always say the same, it's like, you know, pick two to three breakfasts, you know, the calories for these breakfasts, you understand it, we work through it, it's like, okay, you're either going to have like this yogurt and berries and muesli, or you're going to have a shake, um, or you're going to have like a, a, an egg white omelet um, with some toast and some avocado, okay, you know, these, these breakfasts, you've got one that's on the go, you've got one if you've got more time, uh, like you understand, it's like, okay, now two to three lunches, okay, if you're going to meal prep on the weekend, this is your lunch, if you're going to prepare that wrap in the morning, this is your lunch, you know where you work, if you've got this, you know, go-to place for work, if you didn't prepare prepare anything this is what happens so now we have like these three lunches that sort of hit these 500 calories and, and they're good to go that's like what's your go-to snacks that you enjoy okay let's get about two three hundred calories in the afternoon and we'll let's nail that whether it be a shake or whether it be yoga or whether it be some beef jerky or whatever it is and that's like 
for me, we have seven nights of the dinner, seven uh, dinners across the week. We're quite structured in my house because we we just enjoy every night, right? You now we have, you know, some nights we have meatballs, which is Mondays. We have chili on Tuesdays. You know, we have burgers one night. We have pizza one night at home, um, homemade pizzas. We have spaghetti one night. I know the calories. We have the meals, and every night of the week is a is a dinner and when we get sick of one we just rotate one in and we rotate one out it's very simple but because we understand the calories and because we also enjoy the food we don't find it hard to ever track either and i think once you have these sort of set meals for at least breakfast lunch and snack the only thing you really ever have to look at look out for is dinner it's like i just have to really track dinner because i know all the rest i know i have about 700 calories to dinner for example I just need to fit some, find some meals that fits inside those 700 calories. I think what this does is the overwhelm of calorie tracking becomes simplified because you have a set schedule pre-dinner and then dinner is really the only thing that you have to understand what you need to do. And I always recommend that try, if you're not going to have the same dinners each night of the week, as far as like a schedule like me, like on a Sunday, sit down with your partner and at least make a plan for the next week or at least the next three days. So when we're looking at it, we're already pre-committing to different nights of the week for meal. One, it's going to be cheaper for shopping. Two, there's never going to be a question, what do you want for dinner? And then they go, what do you want? And then you start defaulting into bad behaviors and frustrating situations. And we just, you know, essentially like play through and we don't have to make those decisions continuously because we've already pre-committed to meals ahead of time. Tracking's easier. We know how where we can fit the beers in. Or we know where we can fit the extra snack in. Or we know how we can fit anything we really want in because we have pre-committed and we've pre-planned what we're going to eat. If you're trying to track on the fly continuously, it's literally trying to manage your budget on the fly. Can I spend this or can I spend it? I either don't. If you don't know your budget, you're not pre-planning how much you should be spending, you're constantly going to be living in a state of anxiety, stress, and frustration. You're probably not going to hit your goals either. Yeah, you're going to be spending money and you're not. You're going to forget, oh shit, my rego just carried me the mail the next day. But if you were across your finances, you'd know that that one's coming up. It's just the same thing if you've got a, like a, an event out or you're, you know, you're going out to dinner. I know that I'm not going to have full control of the calories over there. So I'm just going to keep it nice and tight, focus on protein, keep it lean up until that point. And then you can do the whole saving and borrowing process to make sure that whatever you have at dinner isn't going to blow it out. But the biggest thing Trav said there is get your family on board, make it a group thing, make it a, a you don't have to have your own sad little oh, grilled chicken and broccoli over in the corner while your family eats all these great meals get them on board and it's surprisingly easy to make a lot of these you know more you know more unhealthy foods work there are lean beef um the lean pe- the peppercorn lean beef patties right that you can get at woolies they use for burgers all the time double up with those and some low-fat cheese and you can either do it as an open face or even as a full burger only ends up being like 500 to 600 calories for the dinner and you get a good solid amount of protein in there right and you can add some other things in there to make it work too there are ways of making those more, you know, those those more unhealthy meals work, but you have to have your family on board. You can't be doing it as like a sad little dad in the corner with his little food. You've got to get them involved as well because more than likely either their peer pressure will win out on you, be like, oh, come on, let's have this meal with us. Stop being, you know, stop being healthy and all this kind of stuff. Or you will convince them eventually to come on board and you can make some kind of compromises and you can make it all work. So 
I think the reason we spend so much time focusing on calories and, and protein intake and all this stuff is this is the biggest thing that people struggle yeah. with when it comes to achieving a transformation. They struggle with the nutritional intake because not only do you have three day, three or four times a day where you can win with your nutrition, you also have three or four times a day where you can lose. And each of those meals can either be a win or a loss. And so many people, when they have one loss, they throw the entire program out because like oh, one loss means I'm all done. It's like, you've got, if you're, let's say you're eating four meals a day, right? And you're across seven days a week, that's 28 meals a week. So one meal is like like 3%, 2 to 3% of your entire week. That's not a huge deal, right? Unless you spend four hours eating a meal and then that, that's a different category. But that is not a loss. But you can let those wins add up. And we talked about it last week is, is really tallying up the wins and getting those little wins in each week. You've got the opportunity three, four times a day to make that better choice. Just because you make one choice that isn't 100% the best reflection of your best self, that's okay. You've just got to keep moving forward. Most people will just kind of give up on it. So once you nail your nutrition intake, you just start to get that momentum with tracking. And as Trav said, have some pre-programmed meals. I used to not eat breakfast and every single lunch when I was a tradie, I would get a Subway, foot long, chicken strips, double meat, no cheese, hot chili sauce. And that would be about 85 grams of protein. It'd be about 850 calories. Uh, I, would, I could have two of those footlongs in a day and pretty much nail my fat loss. And they would keep me pretty full. So I would just have that consistently day in, day out. So I knew that every single day I would track that for lunch. And it makes it automatically a lot less overwhelming because then you've got like, I'm only need to track like seven, 800 more calories and I'm good to go for the day. So have those staples communicate to your partner, communicate to your family unit, say, hey, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is what I need to focus on. It's going to take some time. Yes, it may be a bit of a teething period, but I think this is important for all of us to be on board with. And you know, if your wife doesn't isn't on board or your partner isn't on board with you wanting to make uh, a better man of yourself and to get fitter and get healthier, uh, maybe you should you know, have a, maybe you need to go to therapy, have a bigger conversation. Yeah, I think, I think everyone needs to be supportive, right? I think that's mm. the biggest thing. It's like, I want to be the best version of me do you want me to be the best version of me? Because if I feel healthier, I feel more confident. If I feel more confident, I'm less frustrated. I have more energy. I'll have more energy for you. I'll be more patient with the kids. Like if I have more energy, I'm a better human being. And this is what nutrition is. It's the amount of energy we have um, on a daily basis. So we can have, you know, poor inputs, which give you poor energy, or we can have great inputs, which give you great energy. And as we decrease body fat and I, I improve our body composition, all of a sudden our energy starts to increase more and more as well. So I think think you know it's it's telling your partner it's important and it's important to you and you need their support because i think having a supportive partner obviously makes it so much easier and getting them on board not because they want to lose weight or you're trying to tell them they have to lose weight please don't tell, say that to your partner uh, but say <laughs> tell them that it's important for you so you just want to start to manage this at least for the next four to eight weeks by that time it starts to be routine and we start to win the game um mm. So when we're looking at it, you know, that's that's essentially some food selection. We do want bigger volume-based food, especially inside a calorie deficit. We do want to make sure that protein is king. Uh, meat, at least about 30 grams of protein inside our meals. You can ask us questions and DM us on Facebook or um, on Instagram if you want to have more specific understanding around this. But 30 grams of protein is going to give us the protein threshold at least every four hours to get optimal protein synthesis, which is helping us with lean muscle gain and fat loss. Protein is the most important macronutrient out of carbs, fats, um, and protein. Alcohol is a separate one down the bottom here, but protein is primary. Okay. It helps us 
hold on to muscle mass when we're in a calorie deficit because if protein's low and we're inside a calorie deficit, we're going to lose more muscle mass. We lose more muscle mass overall, our basal metabolic rate or our metabolic rate decreases. And also you're, you're, you start off as an apple if you're overweight and you become a smaller apple. No one wants to be a skinny fat dude. Uh, so if you're losing weight, you want to lose not weight, you want to lose fat. So that means making sure that we're eating enough protein. We want to have a minimum about 1.5 to 2 grams of protein per kilo uh, per day. So again, if you're 100 kilos, you want to be eating about 150 grams to 200 grams of protein. If you're having four meals a day, you might have 30 grams of protein inside uh, your breakfast and you have you know 40 for lunch, 30 in the afternoon, 50 to 60 for dinner, and you're good to go and you hit your, your grams of protein, which is the minimum to hold on to that lean muscle mass. Also, protein is highly satiating. So it, it keeps us fuller for longer. And I think that is key. So we want to be full for as long as possible. And like we said, it helps us hold on to that lean muscle mass. Other than that, carbs and fats tend to vary. I, I, you know, For my guys, I just make sure they have a minimum of 20% of their, their daily intake as fats, just an absolute minimum. And if they want to be more slightly higher on the carbs, that's completely fine. If they want to be slightly lower on the carbs and higher on the fats because they enjoy more fatty food, that's also fine. You know, we want to have the minimum fats because that helps our hormones, testosterone, and just our overall hormonal structure work correctly. And I don't like going too low on the carbohydrates because that helps fuel our performance inside the gym because we train to preserve muscle mass and we diet to lose fat. So I like carbohydrates because it helps us have that energy inside the gym so we can push the heavy weights, we can build that lean muscle mass, and we can truly start to decrease the fat that we're after. And I think that's when we look at the macro breakdown. The thing you did say earlier, Jace, was the borrowing of calories. We can do that on a daily basis, okay? So let's just say we did have that event at nighttime. We can go lean on the calories earlier in the day, maybe just have two protein shakes and dinner. You could just do that if you wanted to and you had 200 calories during the day and you had like 1,500 calories for dinner and you're still inside your daily calorie deficit. Or you can be more strategic and go, well, I know on Saturday – I'm going to have more calories because we have a wedding or we have an event and I'm currently eating 2000 calories a day as my deficit. And I know on, uh, if we look at Saturday, I need to eat 3000 or maybe three and a half thousand calories. It's a, it's a wedding. You're having a big day. What you can do is you can do what's called calorie cycling. You can decrease the other days of the week by say 400 calories. So you have 1600 calories a day from Monday to Friday. You've just saved 400 calories times five. So you save 2000 calories okay, across the week. You can bang on those 2,000 calories onto the Saturday, have a higher calorie day Saturday because it's weekly calories that matter most with fat loss, not daily calories. Is my weekly calories, do they still hit 14,000 calories to hit my calorie deficit to achieve my kilo of weight per week loss? Yes, well, then we nailed it. So it's understanding that we can borrow calories throughout the day or we can cycle calories throughout the week to achieve the weekly goal of our calorie deficit to achieve our weekly goal of losing weight. Yeah. So as you can tell, there's obviously a lot in this. There's a lot that you can take from it, even trying to keep it relatively simple. There's so many different aspects that are involved. And then we can look at things like alcohol and the effects that that has on our, um, our hunger, especially if you're going to be out drinking at a um, at a wedding, for example, all day long. It's it's going to affect you in a couple of ways. Number one, it's going to give you a poor quality of sleep. Uh, so you're probably going to wake up feeling hungover. And that's usually why people feel hungover, not necessarily the alcohol and the dehydration, but the lack of sleep or poor quality of sleep. Um, it, alcohol does affect your sleep in really, really strong ways. 
But if you're then drunk, you're probably going to make less better, like less good food choices. You're going to get the late night kebab or the pizza or whatever else. And you're just going to say, oh, fuck, who cares, right? It lowers your inhibitions and it lowers your, your ability to make decisions, to make good decisions, right? So there, there's so much that gets involved when it comes to the nutritional side of things and achieving a transformation. This is obviously why we do coaching, why we work with guys one-on-one, because it, it can take a lot of time and a lot of energy to distill all of that information into a practical sense for people. Um, so just consider that if you are being like, oh my God, there's a lot to this. It's like, that's why coaches are there. And that's why they're there is also for that accountability, right? If you go and go do this alone and you're trying to sift through all the information and re-listen to things and try and find things, it becomes a bit of a struggle. But if you've got someone there to sort of help you along the journey and remind you of certain things and and you know, let you know of situations as they come up, that's obviously the power of accountability in this process and achieving that transformation doesn't happen without accountability from someone. That's why you get your family on board. That's why you get a coach on board. That's why you get your friends on board. You let people know, this is what I'm trying to do. Hold me accountable. Get me to that result because there's going to be times where you don't want to do it. And then your wife is going to say, hey, didn't you say you were going to be all shredded for us? Okay, fine. I'm going to go do it, right? So there's there's so much to it and there's so many different aspects to it. Should we um should we touch on training and movement a little bit? I, I definitely do think so, mate. And before, there's the last thing. I think the biggest thing, guys, don't be overwhelmed from this. It's like mm. we have calories, we have protein. Those are the two key things. Just stay under your calories and hit your protein. Those are the two things I'm telling you to do. And don't worry about your carbs and fats too much. Just do those two things and it will kick off your transformation. I think when we look at it, then moving out of nutrition onto training, you know, we need to be doing some weight training, okay? We can't be just be running our way into fat loss, we'll run our way into weight loss, but we won't run our way into fat loss because if we're doing high amounts of aerobic training, we'll start to break down more muscle mass. And again, we will become the skinny fat version of us. We need to be doing a, a fair amount of strength training and we need to be focusing on actually pushing ourselves inside the gym and doing our full body workouts because we need to make sure we're hitting our legs with our training sessions as well. So with strength training, what do you recommend, Jace? I recommend at least two to three times a week, right? At the very, very minimum, if you're going to be doing full body training, you've got to get in there. You've got to do some kind of resistance training. Now, there's a plenty of minimum guidelines. If you've been training before in the gym, whatever it is, you need to have at least a minimum of about four to five sets per muscle group per week. That's like absolute bare minimum. But if you're looking to grow a little bit as well, and for those people who haven't been in the gym before, you've got a really unique opportunity where you can put on some muscle mass while you're losing fat right? That's the ideal for most people when they jump in. They want to gain muscle, right? That's what's going to give us the shape and the lines and the abs and all that kind of stuff. That's going to, that's what's going to stretch the skin tight after we lose the body fat. That's what most people are looking for. Not only that, but having muscle mass is you know, very good from a longevity perspective, from living longer, not falling over when you get to 80 years old, right? You can stay upright and you're not going to fall down, break your hip and you can't get up off the floor, right? All of that stuff is why it's important, but at least two to three times a week, full body strength training, ideally four to five, right? Once you scale up to that point, you don't have to go seven days a week from the very beginning. And you know, there's a bunch of different sort of splits and stuff you can do, but if you are completely brand new, two to three times a week, go in the gym, smash every body part, right? Do mainly compound yeah. movements. You're doing things like, um, you know, squats and leg press, right? Make sure if you don't know how to do them, do them under supervision, look up how to do them properly. Um, same thing with deadlifts, bench press, all that kind of stuff. Make sure you're doing it right. But you're doing multi-joint compound movements. You're not sitting there doing bicep curls, right? That doesn't really count. You want to do multi-joint movements. You want to be doing presses, overhead presses. You want to be doing leg presses, squats, lunges. You're going to be doing rows. You're going to be doing all of that kind of stuff that uses a bunch of different um, muscle groups. And you're going to try and hit every single muscle group in every one of those sessions three times a week. That's like 
if you if you get nothing else from this, go to the gym three times a week. Even if you do the exact same session in there three times a week, that's fine. Right? It, that's perfectly fine, and you're gonna get a bit of a taste for it eventually. Then when you start to be like, hey, you know what? I'm recovering well from these sessions. I'm 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 feeling good because initially you're gonna be sore as hell, right? That's normal. It's gonna take a week or two for you to start to get into the groove, but then once you do, you're gonna notice, oh, you know what? I'm feeling all right. Then you can maybe bump it up to four sessions a week, and then you can start looking at, hey, I'll do um, what we call an upper lower split. You might do upper body then lower body, upper body then lower body, and that way you give your muscles time to recover. But minimum two to three times a week in the gym pushing weight, tracking the weight and pushing yourself a little bit further each week until you can't push yourself any further, right? Then that's when you usually know you're in a really good calorie deficit when you can't bump up the weights anymore. But if you focus on your full body, you focus on two to three times a week, just getting in there, getting some movement in, right? Some dads right, are going to have a different schedule where they'll only be able to train for like half an hour and then you can do more frequent sessions, right? So just think about what is your context? What is in the realm of your possibilities? What can you do and make work in your situation? But resistance training is king for longevity, for health, for muscle mass, for fat loss, all of that kind of stuff. So that is your, if you're going to prioritize any movement, that's the movement that you prioritize. Mate, I completely agree. I think the key thing with this as well, if you're going to the gym and you're lifting weights, like power to you, I'm not going to say, hey, you're doing it wrong, but I want you to make sure it's effective as well. Okay. So there's no point going into the gym and lifting two kilo dumbbells for 12 reps. If you could lift those two kilo dumbbells for 112 reps, you need to be lifting at a stimulus that's actually also going to facilitate change. So when we're looking at gaining lean muscle mass, and we always train essentially most of the time in a body transformation setting to gain lean muscle mass, whether in a deficit or whether in a surplus, we want to be trying to push ourselves to retain muscle or gain muscle at the end of the day. So that is always within two, one to two reps in reserve. So you, if, you, if it doesn't matter if it says eight reps, then you lift a weight that you could lift for up to 10 reps. At the 11th rep, you collapse. If it says 15 reps, you want to lift a weight that you could lift to 16 to 17 reps. You try and hit 18 reps, you collapse. And then people will be like, oh, where's the, where, whereabouts when looking at trying to gain lean muscle mass? Isn't that eight to 12 reps? I was like, no, you can gain muscle mass at six. You can gain it at 12. You can gain it at 30 reps. The only problem is if you're going a program that's primarily strength-based and you're constantly hammering four to six reps, your nervous system is going to fatigue. You're going to start to, you know, start to feel fried mentally and it's not going to give you the longevity in the program you're after. If you're constantly trying to hit two reps from failure at 30 reps, the sessions are going to be nauseous. You're not going to want to do them. And they, if you're doing 30 reps on the leg press at like a two reps in reserve every time you walk in there, you're not going to want to go back. You're going to absolutely cardio. hate training. It is. It's basically cardio. So normally when we're looking at that sort of 10 to sort of 15 rep range is the sweet spot, right? It's not too far on the nervous system training. It's not too far on the nauseation train either. So when we're looking at it, that's when we sort of sit inside that rep range. And we want to lift within that sort of one to two reps in reserve. And that's the perfect sweet spot as far as lifting a weight that's going to stimulate that change we're after. And as Jay said before, we want to create that progressive overload if we can each week. What that means is increasing the volume of the training session. So there's a amount of reps you do, there's a amount of sets you do, and there's a amount of weight you lift. And the sets times the reps times the weight equals the volume for the session. Now, if you increased 
one rep on all your lifts for the workout, your volume would increase. We can do that each week and your total volume increases and we're increasing your volume. We're creating a progressive overload. We can also increase the weight and keep the reps the same, or you could drop another set in if you can't increase the weight or the reps. And either way, we can increase the volume across a program of four to six weeks to get that progressive overload, to continue to simulate that lean muscle mass and stimulate the, the response we're looking for with our training, which is going to help us gain or at least retain muscle mass with our training program. The key factor here is if you're training for three times, 45 minutes a week and sitting on your ass for the rest of the week, it's not going to make the difference. Okay. You can't just think, oh, I trained three times, 45 minutes and I'm not losing the fat. Well, you sat on your ass for 23 point, you know, one, you know, 23 hours and 15 minutes. Okay. Like it doesn't work. You actually have to do more than just go to the gym for 45 minutes. We have to do more. We have to move more. Whereas that's where that sort of neat activity comes in. If you want to touch on that, Jace. Yeah, so neat is a big one when it comes to losing fat. And as, as Trav said before, it's actually a bigger chunk of our overall daily expenditure than the exercise activity is. Even if we go in with all this intensity and we're training really hard and we're doing all this stuff, you know, that's still not going to be as effective as the other 23 hours and 15 minutes because a low level of intensity of even any movement during that period of time is going to add up to way more than anything you could do in 45 minutes. So you've got to consider how can I inherently get my active movement up during the day. I've got a, um, a ring. It's an aura ring. It's basically like a sleep and movement tracker. And every hour, if I've been sitting down, if I've been not moving for more than an hour, it uh, passive aggressively messages me and says, time to stretch your legs a bit, time to get up. And I'm like, oh, first of all, I'm like, oh, a little bit you know, pissed off at it. Then I'm like, all right, no, cool. I'll get up. I'll go to the bathroom. I'll do a walk around the house. I'll get my steps up. And you can do it bit by bit throughout the day and you know every half an hour you're getting up and you're doing like a one minute walk i was listening to another podcast where they talked about exercise snacks where you just break up any movement with just a snack of exercise you go run up and down the stairs one time and then go back and those little movements over time will add up uh, things like parking further away at the shops or you know catching a form of public transportation in or even going on a 15 minute walk at the start of the day and a 15 minute walk at the end of the day those little things um, because you're doing them so consistently because the dose is so high they're going to add up over time and they're going to you know they're going to add up over the seven days much more than any training session will so your goal is to unconsciously increase your little ways of movement it doesn't always have to be all right, i'm going on a 60 minute walk as of right now it can just be hey you know, in the morning, we might do a little bit of a stretch or, you know, I'm going to make more of an effort to water the lawn and mow the lawn in the, you know, in the mornings so or do whatever gardening that needs doing around the house. Those things are also uh, considered neat. It's non-exercise um, activity thermogenesis. So think about, you know, <laughs> do more housework. That'll uh, keep your wife happy and that'll get your, uh, get your neat up as well. But plan it into your days. If you're sedentary for more than an hour at a time, have a built-in way that you're going to get up and you're going to break that because that momentum could carry you through to the rest of the day. And then all of a sudden it's 2 p.m. and you've done 300 steps, right? Before this podcast, I knew we had this podcast coming up. I was going to be sitting down for about an hour. So I went for a couple of laps around the block, get some movement in. I went and watered the lawn, made sure I did a few things to keep the activity up because this was going to be a bit of a sedentary point in point of my of my day so have those built-in ways that you can get your steps up that you can get just general activity in it doesn't have to be focused on just walking somewhere but think about the ways that you can increase that either by parking further away catching public transport uh or be be your household hero and uh and and vacuum and mop the floor every day oh no no floor needs another vacuum you just need your steps up <laughs> no 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 i'm good i'm good i'm good 
I think that's key. It's having the number. It's like having an activity tracker with your watch allows you, again, if you are conscious of it, you start to do it more often. I think that's a key thing. You know, when people think, oh, do I have to hit this 10,000 steps a day? And it's like, no, you don't have to hit 10,000 steps a day. You need to be looking at what I like to say is a minimum 8,000 steps a day for all of my people. Um, and that puts us out of that sedentary lifestyle. So 8,000 steps a day is a goal. If we're an office worker, the average office worker does four to 5,000 steps a day. So you'd need to hit an extra 4,000 steps. Now, if you're walking just on an average brisk pace, you're going to get about 6,000 steps in an hour. So that means you need to be walking for about 45 minutes outside of your daily activity to hit that. So it could be go for a 15-minute walk in the morning. That means you're going to hit at least about 1,500 steps. You go for a 15-minute walk at lunchtime. You go for a 15-minute walk at night with your partner or with your kids. All of a sudden, you hit the extra 4,500 steps. We increase our total daily steps. We hit our minimum threshold of 8,000 steps a day. And all of a sudden, we move out of sedentary into that mildly active and we're, you know, you know, moving forward with our fatless results and that's how i would break it down don't just think oh i've got to walk 45 minutes every single day now it's like no break it up to easy small tasks that are achievable throughout your day yeah 100 it's big herculean efforts of like oh i've left it all to the end of the day it's the same thing with tracking food right people leave it to the end of the day They're like oh i've got to try and remember what i had for breakfast and then they just put it all in too hard basket same thing when it comes to this movement just do it little bit by little bit it's not about completely overhauling everything and walking everywhere and never driving your car again but just those little things that you can do to increase your steps going for a walk with the family is a huge one right usually the families are pretty keen to go on a walk especially in good weather you want to go outside get outside you know get some fresh air all of that stuff has huge benefits and as travel saying it's going to move your fat loss along if you don't have something like your steps built in if you don't have a way of increasing your general daily activity guess what you're going to have to eat less to achieve the same result and i know for most people they would rather eat the food and eat, be able to eat more food and go on a couple of 15 minute walks rather than have to be on like 18 or 1600 calories based on where they're at uh, in order to create the deficit they want because then you're just left hungry. So when in doubt, increasing activity is usually a better way for you to move fat loss along, for you to move your body along in the direction that you want, as opposed to cutting calories if you can help it. If you're, if you, you know, if you're already moving way too much and cutting calories is the last thing you have to do, go for it. But don't do that before you can just say, hey, maybe I can eat a little bit more steps out. Maybe I've just been a little bit too lazy. And that fit dad lifestyle is what we're trying to create. We're trying to create a lifestyle of general well-being and fitness. And that person doesn't just train three or four times a week and sit on the couch. No, they're generally active throughout the day. That's what we're trying to promote and create. 100% mate and I think there is other factors at play and we'll cover our full stress and sleep podcast uh, but when we look at it today these are the big factors that were the key movers or the key levers that help you achieve the transformation we're after it's like calories matter most so we need to be understanding how many calories you're eating that naive uh, working out of it's 11 calories um, you know when we're looking at it, it's like body weight in pounds times 11 that will give you a bit of an estimation to start with are you losing 1% of total body weight per week? If not, decrease by 5% and that will start to get you into a calorie deficit. When I eat 1.5 to 2 grams of protein per kilo, you want to go towards more of a flexible dieting approach, eating 300 grams of veg per day. You don't have to eat six meals a day. You don't have to eat three meals a day. You can eat four meals a day. You can eat three, you can eat six, whatever fits into your lifestyle. Not one makes you lose more fat or burn more fat. It's understanding that that's key. Understand you can have a beer, but don't have six beers a day every single day, or that will 100% inhibit your fat loss. You want to make sure that 
carbs and protein. Carbs and fats can be variant based on your needs and how you do it. You can borrow calories to, from earlier in the day to later in the day, or you can calorie cycle uh, your calories from one day, uh, a little bit less, a couple of days a week to higher calories in the week. And you can do that as well. We can make sure we're having higher food volume based calories. So Instead of eating a croissant, you know, which is very low satiating, very calorie dense, we're looking at potatoes and pumpkin and vegetables or leaner proteins like chickens and white fish. That will, one, increase our satiation, so we're going to stay fuller for longer. Two, they're higher volume, so we actually, it is, you know, they take up more room in our stomach, so we stay fuller for longer as well. And we want to make sure we're doing strength training at least, you know, two to three times a week. If you're brand new, full body workouts, try and lift two reps in reserve. Um, as you start to advance, go to full workouts, go into an upper or lower split, split if you want. You can't just train and not do anything else and expect yourself to lose um, weight. You want to make sure that you are moving as a fit dad. So going for a minimum 8,000 steps a week and get your family involved and making sure that we start to prepare our a week ahead in advance, having those conversations with our partner. These are my breakfast. These are my lunches. These are my snacks. We don't even have to think about it. And having that conversation, what are our dinners for the week? And like planning ahead of time. And that's the biggest factors as far as setting up yourself for success. Is there anything I just missed out there, Jace? No, pretty spot on. Uh, my only thing that <laughs> is uh, make sure you drink more water as well. Two to three hours. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Drink some water because we need it. We need the water. Um, and don't drink liquid calories all day long. And we will go through this, guys. We want to try and keep most of our podcasts around that sort of 60 minutes. So it's a brief wrap up there, but we will go into other factors in the next podcast. But next week, we're going to talk about habits and systems to actually involve and how to execute all of these. So that's going to be fantastic. If you want individual coaching help, you can go to fit dad.club and you can book in we can have a bit of a chat see where we're at and see where you want to go so that's fit-dad.club and you know we'll have a chat help you understand what it takes to transform your body and your life um that is it travis jones um i am out and jason you want to say goodbye see you later everyone don't forget to leave us a five-star <laughs> rating and review as well if you enjoyed the podcast it helps us out helps us reach more dads and that's what we're uh, that's what we're trying to do so if you know any dads that uh, could use a bit more of this fitness information that are looking to make this transformation um, just refer them on and uh, looking forward to seeing y'all on the next show